Okay, good morning everyone. Um, this morning I want us to look at something from the book of John, chapter 18. But before that, shall we pray? Father Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for life. We thank you for knowledge. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for truth. We thank you, oh God, for opening our ears to comprehend and know who you are. Oh God, we pray that as we always subject ourselves to the truth of your word, may our lives be transformed from one level of glory to the other. In the name of Jesus, that wherever we go, people may know and see that indeed and in fact, we are true ambassadors of God. (laughs) That our lives may be a true reflection and a true correlation of who we are within. And that that inner transformation, that inward transformation will be manifested outward for all to see. That our lives will be truth and not lie. That our actions and our deeds and what we know all become existentially one. And that there shall be no separation between who you have made us and how we live our lives. We thank you, O Lord, that even as we are about to subject ourselves to this chapter, may our lives be transformed forever. In Jesus' name we pray, thanksgiving. Amen. Now, the book of John is actually John's presentation of the gospel. And of course, like the traditional gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of the writers, indeed and in fact, is writing and presenting Jesus Christ as a peculiar character. Of course, the book of Matthew presents Jesus as king. The book of Luke presents Jesus as the son of man. The book of Mark presents Jesus as a servant. But the book of John, indeed and in fact, present Jesus as God. Now, in each of the chapters, there is a peculiar way in which Christ is viewed. And of course, a peculiar spectacle through which Christ is viewed and a particular attribute of Christ for each of the chapters. In some of the chapters, he's seen as the living water. In some of the chapters, he's seen as the bread of life. In some of the chapters, is in fact seen as the good shepherd in some of the chapters he is seen as the great vine in some of the chapters he is seen as the light of the world but in john 18 he is seen as truth and it begins of course with a verse one saying and when jesus had spoken these words he went forth with his disciples over the brook of sidron where there was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples and this was indeed after what is called the upper room discourse he went into the garden and judas also which betrayed him knew the place for jesus oftentimes resorted theater with his disciples verse 3 judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees cometh Peter with lanterns and torches and weapons. Verse 4 Jesus, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Verse 5 And they answered him, 
Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. Verse 6. As soon as then as he had said unto them, I am he. Thence went backwards and they fell to the ground. Verse 7. Then asked him them again, Whom seek ye? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 8. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. Verse 9. And that the saying might be fulfilled, of which he speak, Of them which thou givest me, have I lost none. Verse 10. And this is the key verse of chapter 18. Then John, um, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The name of the servant was Marcus. Verse 10. Then Jesus said unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheet. The cup which my father has given me, shall I, shall I not drink it? Verse 12. And then the band and the captain officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Of course, we know that indeed and in fact Jesus puts back the ear of Marcus back and healed him. Now, it's very critical to understand that Jesus is being seen in this chapter as truth. And it's critical to understand that after he's had the last supper with his disciples, of course, having spoken with them and praying with them in the upper room, he, together with them, came to this garden, of course, to pray. And here we see one of his disciples, Judas, of course, after selling him, coming together with a band of men and officers that's in verse 3 and it's very important to understand that we are in the world where people have heard of this jesus christ just as these band of men have heard of jesus christ and they were looking for him people are looking for christ in our dispensation and we see over here that whilst others are looking for him with lanterns and torches others are also looking for him with weapons but it doesn't matter what they are using to look for him okay whether they are coming in with lanterns or torches or weapons they are still indeed and in fact looking for him hmm. and of course you see people have heard of jesus christ others are coming to him to look for him and find out who he is others are also looking for him indeed and in fact to disprove his existence and what he did you see others are studying the scriptures you know apologetically others are studying the scriptures indeed and in fact to know who jesus christ is and to find out whether he is who indeed who he said he is and whether he is indeed and in fact who we are saying he is and others are also standing with weapons trying to find fault in the scriptures trying to co- correlate and trying to coincide history with the bible to find the errors and mistakes of the bible in order and indeed and in fact to disprove his existence and what he said and whether he indeed and in fact died and resurrected and of course whether he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven or not uh, but no matter what their options and of course their aim are people are still looking for jesus christ 
and that's how we see over here that there's a band of man, men coming down of course with lanterns and torches and weapons looking for jesus christ and of course jesus knowing this asks a very critical question and that is whom seek ye whom seek ye and today the question that jesus is asking is very simple is that what are you seeking in this world what are you seeking in life what is the purpose and the aim of your life you know according to and um, to most people the aim of your life is actually the accumulation and the congregation and of course indeed and in fact the gathering of resources and physical things and that is the aim and um, the primary aim of your lives and of course it does not matter what and how and the mechanism through which they use to accumulate the wealth and that's what jesus will call in matthew and of course chapter 6 as having an evil eye Ah, so he's asking you, what are you looking for in life? Whom are you looking for? Whom are you looking for? And what are you looking for in life? And of course, they answered by saying that they are looking for Jesus Christ. Said we are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 5. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Then Jesus said, I am he. Hmm. You see, it's very, very important to understand that if genuinely you are looking for Jesus Christ, you'll find him. You know, I told some people some time ago, and I was having a discussion with them, and I told them that if you really want to find out whether this Jesus you are talking about is real or not, if you really want to know that he is the son of God and he is the only way to the father, and of course there are a lot of disputes about that, I want it to be your personal prayer. And you need to pray that, oh God, show me who you are. There are a lot of gods all around. But if indeed there is one true God who is, then if it's, it's, it becomes your life and it becomes the aim of your life to find him and you pray consistently indeed and in fact you will find him. Ah, so they said that we are looking for Jesus Christ of Nazareth and Jesus said, I am he. And of course they were amazed as they fell to the ground under the anointing. Now, it's very important also, as I conclude, that as they approached Christ, Simon Peter, and this is the climax of this short message, pulled the sword and, of course, cut the ear of one of them. And, of course, Jesus put the ear back. Now, the implication of this is that Jesus is not in the business of cutting people's ears. Of course, the aim of Christ then is to speak to you through your ears and of course show you who you are and not to cut off people's ears because when people's ears are cut off and i'm not using it literally i'm using it um, figuratively when people's ears are cut off they do not want to listen and they do not want to hear about jesus christ so the aim of the church in attempts to defending jesus christ and who he is we should not by either our speech by other our words cut off people's ears and of course prevent them and make them get to a state where they don't want to hear about jesus anymore and in those days peter used a sword but in our time by our actions and by the lies and by the hypocrisy we are cutting off people's ears and we do not want them to even you know by our actions want to know about jesus christ anymore because they are fed up and they are tired because of the hypocrisy in the church and that's what's happening now oh god so then jesus is truth jesus is truth because 
his life and his actions and the things he preached are one. And in our dispensation, we see the weapons and the swords of hypocrisy in the church cutting off people's ears. And it's critical then to understand that how can you claim to be a Christian? How can you claim that you have in you the source of morality? How can you claim that you have in you the source of life? How can you claim you have in you the love of God? How can you claim that you have you have something that is more superior, that is more transcendent, that is more indeed and in fact more precious? And you go to church every day, but when you come back from Monday to Saturday, your life is preaching something else. And it's very important to understand that you know people are drawing away from truth drawing away from christianity shutting their ears to what we are saying because of hypocrisy because indeed we are claiming to be wanting else and of course living something else how can you claim you're a christian and you are lazy at work how can you claim you're a christian and you are living lies how can you claim you're a christian and you are cheating people how can you claim you're a christian and you are borrowing people's money without paying how can you claim you are christian and you are living in hell and by this hypocritical lifestyle, uh, the sword of hypocrisy, the sword of lies, indeed and in fact, have cut off people's ears and prevented them from listening to the word of God and prevented them from hearing and trying to understand and trying to intellectually, you know, assimilate the gospel. They have started on the notes. They have closed their ears because, because we are living lives of lies. And just as Peter, we are in a dispensation where people are cutting down the ears and what jesus is doing in our dispensation is that he is fixing back the ears of people and we can help him fix people's ears by becoming truth by indeed and in fact living as christians ah it's reported in the bible that you know that when when they saw the disciples of christ they called them christian because they knew that indeed and in fact these people are christ-like and they have been with christ and it was by their character it was by their morality it was by what and how they were living that drew people back to god back to God ah, of course they cut the ears of Marcus they cut the ears of Marcus they cut the ear of Marcus and I want to encourage all of us that even as we are exposing ourselves to the scriptures we should not live lives of hypocrisy it should never be said that because of you someone has you know has sworn never to go to church. Someone has sworn never to study the Bible. Someone has sworn never to even listen to Jesus Christ. But I pray that indeed and in fact we become true ambassadors of Christ. We represent him adequately and not to carry upon the name of Jesus Christ and live a life that is antithetical, that is a life that is contradistinctive to who we know. And, and I say to other people too that do not let the life of people inhibits you from indeed and in fact hearing what jesus has to say do not allow the fault of the messenger be the reason why you are having great disdain for the message for the message we should indeed and in fact turn christianity from only being that mystical ontological that ethereal you know spiritualizing you know life and let christianity indeed and in fact be pragmatic and practical and practical 
because Jesus was practical. Jesus was living a life that was practical. That in as much as early at dawn, he has that mystical spiritual aspect during the day when he goes to be with the people, he manifests who he is. He shows love, he shows compassion, he shows forgiveness. He shows forgiveness. I pray in the name of Jesus that even as we have exposed ourselves to this short exegesis of John chapter 18, God will help us. God will help us to be truth. That our actions, our deeds, and our words, and who we are, and what we claim we are, would all be existentially one. There shall be no separation and division between the things we hear and the things we preach and how we live our lives. And our lives may not become weapons that is cutting off people's ears. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.